Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. I've been thinking about this for the last, actually, couple of months, is what I want to talk to you about this morning. And it might be a little bit of a different thought, but the reality is we're at war. We are. I think if you're going to develop any kind of biblical worldview, probably the first place you should begin with is that we are at war. I know that we are a a loving family and we talk about the love of Jesus, but the fact is there's a war going on. And it's kind of fought on two fronts. I want to make sure for us that we're actually fighting the right battle. Because it's easy to get involved in battles that aren't actually the battles that God's called us to fight. And I often think the reason that that happens is because the enemy wants us to fight, but he wants us to fight the wrong battles. Because if I can keep you distracted with this battle, then you won't see what's actually happening over here. And this battle is kind of fought on two fronts. And I want to share two scriptures with you this morning. And I promise this message will be shorter than three hours because I know we have the kids in here this morning. That's all I promise, though. Always beware of the preacher that says, I'm not going to spend a long time on this this morning. Or in conclusion. Or to sum it all up. But I want to read to you from Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 6. So we're going to kind of stay in the book of Ephesians. But this battle is kind of fought on two fronts. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, that hopefully we'll get on the screens. I know we had some last-minute scrambling here uh, this morning. Do we got it? You guys are awesome. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I'm reading out of the NIV. So Christ gave himself. Sorry. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people." in their deceitful scheming. I think here we see the first potential battlefield that we have in the kingdom. And that is the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. This is kind of battlefield number one. And when we read in chapter six, we see another battlefield that's at play. And it's important we understand the difference between these two things. It's also important to know where you are in your notes so you don't get lost. <laughs> Let me talk about Ephesians chapter 4 first before we go to chapter 6. What is this man scheming? That word scheme is a very interesting word. Because it's used again in chapter 6, but this is talking about man's scheming. Now, there's teaching that often 
you'll hear, and many of you have in some places, where rather than shepherding the flock, it fleeces the flock. There are certainly places where the whole goal of man scheming, even in the church and religious structures, is to get what they can out of the people. It's the mindset where you feed me, not where I feed you. That happens. Man scheming often involves self-love, where the focus of even my own discipleship is me. It's weird how somehow discipleship can be shifted and molded into trying to make you feel better. That's not the purpose of discipleship. The purpose of discipleship is to become a follower of Jesus, not to make myself better. A self-help gospel is no help at all. The idea is not to lift myself, it's to lift Him higher, and all men will be drawn unto Him. But an unhealthy view of self-love is deceitful scheming. What do I have to do to feel better, look better, be better? And even the pursuit of healing and wholeness sometimes, which is important, but it can get out of focus and out of balance that somehow healing and wholeness are the goal that That's where it all ends, is me becoming healed and whole. But your healing and wholeness is for a purpose. It's so that you can identify the way God has created you as a son, as a daughter, and so that you can go back to the places long devastated. So you can renew cities. That's what Isaiah 61 says that Jesus quotes again in Luke chapter 4. The purpose of our healing and wholeness is to go get those who are not yet healed and whole and lead them into their identity as sons and daughters themselves. But men's scheming will just keep you focused on you instead of focused on the kingdom. Yet Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Men's scheming keeps you focused on the things rather than the kingdom. There's a funny thing about doing that. When you focus on things, you can get things and miss the kingdom. But if you focus on the kingdom, you'll get the kingdom and the things. I don't want a life focused on things. That's what men's scheming is, what they're talking about in Ephesians chapter 4. And what has God given us on this battlefield of making sure that we're not just led astray by this cunning and craftiness and the scheming of men or women, mankind, What is it that God gives us to defend against this? Well, it says in Ephesians 4, Jesus gave apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. I had to remember the fifth one. That's God's defense against the cunning and craftiness of men. It means that in the church setting, it's not meant to be the Clayton and Romy show at Seashore Church. It's meant to be led by ascension gifts, is one of the things they're called, or five-fold ministry. Why is it called five? Because there's five of them, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those are God's gift to the church to defend against being led astray by the craftiness of men. Does that make sense? So, and that, they're not just, I don't want you to hear that God gives the prophet, as in the person who's allowed to prophesy with the microphone, or the apostle. It's the gift of the apostle. It's the gift of the prophetic. In other words, that gift is often embodied in in a person, but it's meant to flow through the church. This is not a five-fold ministry message, but it's already going there, so I'm going to take it where it goes. So if I'm an evangelist, of which I'm not, Brent would be one of our evangelists, my goal is not to wear the name tag that says Evangelist Clayton. 
My goal is not to be the person that does all the evangelism. The goal of the evangelist in the body of the church, of the body of Christ, is to stir up the gift of evangelism in the church. So if I'm an evangelist, then I need to be stirring up the evangelism in everybody who's not an evangelist. That's why Paul, the apostle, writes to Timothy, the pastor, and tells him to do the work of the evangelist. Isn't that crazy? In other words, whatever gift God's given you, it's our job to stir that thing up in the church so that the whole body may be built up. We're not lacking in anything. We're not just an evangelistic altar call church. We're not just a prophetic church. We want all of those things happening in the body. Those are gifts that God gives to the church to keep us from being led astray by the cunning and craftiness of men. See, in Paul's day when he wrote this letter, there was all kinds of false teaching. That's crazy, right? The church is not even one generation old, and people are already trying to make money off of this thing. Because they see this ministry of Paul, Paul would, like his handkerchief, he, he would pray over a handkerchief or touch it or whatever they did, they would take that to somebody, put it on their body, and they'd get healed. Wow! I'm pretty sure I can pay $19.95 right now on TV to get somebody's handkerchief to try to get me healed. Like, this isn't a new concept. So people, false teachers, were going around proclaiming to be apostles, prophets, but really all they were doing were fleecing people. They were trying to get paid and get notoriety for what they did. And so much of Paul's instructions in his letters were confronting all of these false teachers. That's why God gives these gifts to the church. The fivefold ministry equips the church. And here's where I want you to hear how he does it. It equips the church to ignore men's scheming. Ignore it. If somebody's spouting lies to me, the best thing I can do is, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm not going to listen. I'm not even going to engage. Sometimes when you engage with the scheming and craftiness of men, that's exactly what the enemy wanted you to do because you're spinning your wheels dealing with something that you were just supposed to ignore. So when edicts come out and mandates come out and things come out, sometimes when you realize that's the cunningness and and, the craftiness of men, I'm just going to ignore the noise. I'm going to ignore the buzz. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to... I might, I might write it out, but I'm probably going to delete, 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 delete. Romy and I sit there on the couch sometimes, we're like, eh, nope, eh, nope, eh, nope, and that's just to each other. No, it's not. <laughs> so, somewhere I'm going to keep a library of all my deleted posts, because that will be... How many of you want like a fake handle, Instagram handle that you can just, if you raise your hand, that means you already have that. And you're like, I just want to post all the stuff that I'm not allowed to post. I remember, we used to laugh because we we used to read this one Twitter thing. And I'm like, this guy has got to be in our church. And I'm pretty sure I know who it is, but he will never admit to it. But there's some inside trading going on here and it's pretty funny. So somebody start a fake she-shore account. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, so here's how the five-fold ministry helps us to ignore the scheming of man. Because there's some scheming, right? Right? Don't be a schemer. That's rule number one for not being led astray. But sometimes you just got to learn to ignore it. Here's how it happens. So the apostle, the apostle helps us to see what God is doing. 
I would consider an apostle like a big picture person sometimes. They see all that's going on and it helps to expose things because they see what's behind stuff. The prophet can actually help us pull back the curtain to show what is happening and what's going to happen. (laughs) I love, the prophetic is like cheating. It's Holy Ghost cheating. I love it. I love it. It's so much fun. I can't tell you how many times someone's gone, how did you know that? I just laugh. I go, I didn't, but God did, and he told me. God knows things that we don't know, and he loves to tell us. That's the way the prophetic works. Just listen to him, and he'll tell you stuff you couldn't have known on your own. I spoke to a mom recently this week, and her, her, her son is going through a custody battle. And it's been kind of back and forth, and there's definitely been, well, from what I hear, some scheming. There's been some cunning, some craftiness, and, and this man feels like he's just trapped. And, you know, sometimes if you're a dad and you're in a custody battle, you can feel pretty powerless in the court systems. And I don't know the whole situations of what happened, but he just felt like no matter what I say, it's going to be phrased a different way. And this mom gets woken up in the middle of the night, and the Holy Spirit downloads to her, she's telling me this, a letter that that son can give to the court system. And it was just like strategy from heaven. That was a great message Kim preached on strategies of heaven, by the way, if you want to get that podcast. But just, it was like she, God's like, I just want to show you the blueprint and here's exactly what to say in the court system. And she's writing stuff down going, this is great. This is good. Just getting download and gave it to her son. Now, I don't know the court case hadn't happened yet, but I'm praying. But I just think it's funny when God through the prophetic, gives you something that will just cut through the red tape of the scheming of mankind. I'd rather have that than me try to figure stuff out on my own. That's what the prophetic can do. The teacher can help us to apply the Word of God to what's happening. So when people try to deceive you, when you know the Word, the teacher can help you understand the Word so you can use the Word to defend against that. It's what Jesus used in the desert. The devil tempted him for 40 days, and all he did was quote Scripture. Guess what? You can too. Helps if you read it. The evangelist can lead others to Jesus through what is happening. That's what I love. What? COVID? You're locked in your house all day? Got to wear a mask? Man, you need Jesus. If you had Jesus, he'll set you free from the inside out. Like, that's the evangelist. He's going to help you find Jesus through it. And the pastor, well, the pastor can be a conduit of God's love to us, like a channel of God's love. That's how we defeat battlefield number one, the craftiness and the cunning of man's deceitful schemes. Then you have another kind of scheming, and we find that in chapter six. In Ephesians chapter six, verse 11, it says, In my notes, somewhere in Jesus' name, appear. Here we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Oh, I wish we could get that. Finally, be strong in your posts. Finally, be strong in your opinions. Finally, get your words together just right. Finally, get everybody else on your side so that you feel like you have the majority voice. No, no, no. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. 
know, the Bible tells us we're weak, He's made strong. And His power is perfected in our weakness. I want to be strong in the Lord. It's the difference. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This is battlefield number two. So God equips us with the fivefold ministry to deal with man's schemes, but the armor of God is used for the devil's schemes. But you may think, well, aren't they the same thing? Not necessarily. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Did you hear that? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That word flesh, the Greek translation of that means human nature. In other words, our battle is not against human nature. I don't know about you, but I've experienced some human nature that I don't like very much. Especially over the course of, I don't know, say the last 12 months. I've experienced some human nature, some people that you think would know better, that are just mean. It's like they've become someone different. It's like I thought I knew this person, and then as soon as there's conflict, I'm the Antichrist. What's going on? Our battle is not against human nature. That's what I want you to hear. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then many of you may know this scripture. Therefore put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. God, give us some peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you could extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Now I want you to picture the scene here. Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. He was most likely under house arrest at the time or in jail. We're not really sure which one he was. And so what in his day would be the picture of strength, the very embodiment of what strength and power would look like? Well, they're under the oppression of Rome. Rome is an occupying force. And the Roman soldier would be the pick, it would be the Navy SEAL of the day. Sorry, SEALs, I know you don't like that. You'd rather be Spartans or whatever, but he would be the most like feared and picture of strength. He represents all of Rome. He is hard, he's tough, he's got all the equipment. This is who is actually watching over Paul in jail. So you can picture Paul probably looking at the very embodiment, very embodiment of man's strength but describing what spiritual strength really looks like as he's talking about belts and helmets and breastplates. I'm not going to go specifically into all of those things except to show that what, what the world displays as strength looks very different from the kingdom perspective. It's not against flesh and blood. 
but it's against the rulers. That word rulers, again, the connotation of the word rulers, it actually means the beginning. So a ruler is somebody that's preeminent, like from the very beginning, they had rule over something. And that word often gets translated more as beginning than it does like a ruler, like a position. What he's saying is, it's the beginning of the conflict. Our battle is not just against the effect of what we're seeing. Our battle is against the very beginning of it. In other words, the battle we face deals with the very source of what we're experiencing today. And the source of what we're experiencing today, today is not a virus. It's not the Dow Jones. Those are the effects. The source goes much deeper. And our battle is not against the effects. Our battle is not against masks and mandates and vaccines and economy. Our battle is against the source that goes deeper than all of that stuff. It goes to the very beginning. These demonic spirits is what he's talking about, is what the Bible refers to in actually Ephesians chapter 2 as the spirits of the air. You ever heard that term, the spirits of the air? But yet in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made... Sorry, let me start that over again. Ephesians 3.10. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Rulers and authorities. Same people that he's talking about in chapter 6. The authorities... That denotes the ability to act unhindered. So the rulers deal with the beginning of the issue. The authorities means they have the authority to act, the permission to act unhindered, the ability to act unhindered. Now there's something about authority, okay? If you were to, like Brent was a retired police officer, right? A police officer has two things. He has power and he has authority. And they're represented by two different things. The authority is represented by the badge. That gives me the authority to do my job. But the power is in the gun. The sidearm is the power. The badge is the authority. And what this scripture is saying is that our battle is against the authority of this dark world. But I want you to understand that the authority the enemy has is a usurped authority. It's an authority that he either tries to pretend like he has, or it's an authority that we've given to him. The only authority the enemy has in the life of a believer is the authority that you've given him. When Jesus died on the cross, it says that he descended into hell and took back the gates to hell. He took back the keys. He took back the authority that Adam gave up in the garden. When God created the earth, He gave Adam all authority over heaven and earth. All these dark realms, He had authority over them. When Adam sinned, He gave up the keys. He said, here devil, here's my sidearm, here's my badge. Jesus went and got the keys back and did something I would never do if I was Jesus. After all those thousands of years of us living in the, the result of that sin, of giving away authority, of being subject 
to the spiritual realm, to being subject to demons, to being subject to the authorities that, that bring pain and war and death and sickness. Finally, he gets the authority back. You know what Jesus does? Gives it back to us. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He gives us the keys back. I wouldn't do that. If my son loses my car keys, he's not getting my car keys back. Jesus gives us the keys to the kingdom. But yet sometimes we still go, hey devil, you want to hold on to these for a minute? Somehow we forget or we don't believe that we actually have the keys of the kingdom. We don't believe that we've got authority. How can I have authority? I'm a sinner. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No. You're a former sinner who's now a son. But if you think you're still a sinner, you're going to keep giving the keys back time and time again. If you're a son, stop sinning. Sinner sin, right? So if I'm a sinner saved by grace, then I'm going to keep on sinning. But if I'm a son, then I don't have to sin anymore. If Jesus told the woman caught in the act of adultery, go and sin no more, why would he tell her that if she couldn't do it? I'm not saying I'm without sin. I'm just saying if I identify as a son, I realize I have the power and the authority to live a life free of sin. I'm not there yet. Hence the message today. Authority. Authority is the badge. Power is the gun. The only authority that these spiritual forces have is the authority that we give them. Now, how do we give the enemy authority? Well, what's his primary weapon? The Bible says he's the father of lies. So the only way we give him authority is when we believe his lies. Because the only authority a lie has over me is to the degree in which I've believed it. If I don't believe it, it's got no power. But as soon as I believe it, it's got power over me. Maybe I, maybe I should do this. Maybe I, maybe I can't be healed. Maybe, maybe I, I'm always going to live with anger. I can't get rid of it. It's the way I've been born. When we do that, we give the authority away that God intended for us to have. What happens is, I think we forget that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against human nature. When human nature rears its ugly head, and when the schemes of man come along, just ignore it. But this battle we can't ignore. This battle we need to fight. And this is the battle that we need to be fighting. But if we're always fighting against flesh and blood, if people are the problem then we're going to be fighting the wrong battle. We're going to be fighting against people. And Jesus died for them. Now listen, like many of you, I've had a year of venom being spewed. Actually more that way than this way. It's sometimes hard when you see... It's sometimes hard, meaning Rummy. It's sometimes hard when you see the venom being spewed. I can take it. But when it gets spewed at her, it's hard. When it comes from family members, it's even harder. Not those 
family members. But I have to go. Jesus, the problem is not flesh and blood. The problem is the liar that has been telling them that fear is the right response. The problem is the lie that's been believed. And you want to deal with the rulers. You want to deal with the beginning, the very root problem. So I'm not going to fight against my relatives. I'm not going to fight against my neighbors. I'm not going to fight against all of these things. I'm going to fight the fight that you taught me to fight against the rulers, against the powers, and the usurped authority of the enemy that tells me I'm supposed to be afraid. I'm supposed to be angry. I'm supposed to be bitter. I'm supposed to isolate. None of those are kingdom principles. And that's what I'm warring against. And the weapons you've given me in that war, oh, now I'm going to put on, what's the first thing that he does? When I get up in the morning, I don't put my belt on first. Who puts their belt on first? But he says, put the belt on first. I don't know why, but it's the belt of truth. Why is it the first weapon we have? Because the first weapon of the enemy is a lie. I can't refute a lie that I believe because to me it's truth. I can't uncover my own lies. I don't purposefully believe a lie. No one walks around and goes, I know it's a lie, but I choose to believe it. No. Once you've believed it, it's now truth to you, but it's relative truth. It's not actually absolute truth. His truth reveals the lie. Put on the belt of truth. How do I put on the belt of truth? It's very simple. Lord, search me, know me. See if there's any unclean way within me. Are there any lies about you that I have believed? Are there any lies about me that I have believed? Are there any lies about Romy that I have believed? Let him reveal the lie and he will replace it with his truth. I don't put on the belt of truth by taking my Bible and wrapping pages around my waist. It comes when I let Jesus in. I actually invite him into my thinking. I invite him into my heart. I let him shine a light on the dark places that have been trying to hide. And when he does, I don't go, ooh, don't look at that. Oh, I go, thank goodness. What else? What else? Come on. Let's get it all out. Let's go. Come on. Here we go. It's a funny thing about confession. Once you confess the hard thing, you're like, and you, and you experience the release. Man, what else? Let's go. Come on. I want it all out. Sometimes when you first do that, it's like the massive dump and you're like, oh my gosh. But if you make this a, a habit, if you wake up every morning and put on the belt of truth, in other words, I wake up every morning and go, God, I want your truth. God, this morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to let my Bible be the first thing I open up, not my phone. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to me. That's not me speaking to you. God, I'm going to put on your truth this morning. I'm going to go to bed tonight. I'm going to go, God, somewhere along the line, is there, is there some lie that I believe that I've picked up? I'm not like, did I believe a lie? But I'm just going, hey, God, is there anything I, no, I'm good? Okay, cool. Oh, there is one? Oh, phew, thank you. I refute that lie in the name of Jesus. God, forgive me for any agreement that I've made with that lie. I sever any agreement. God, would you speak your truth to me? And let him speak to you again. And you get the exchange of the, the truth for his lie. Gosh.
Don't get mad at blind people because they can't see. I can't get mad at a person because they believe the lie. But I can take him to Jesus. There's a lot of blind people still walking around. They're spiritually blind. Some physically blind, but they're spiritually blind. And I don't mean they're blind because they voted for a certain party or they decided to do one thing or another. I mean, they don't realize that the enemy has been lying to them and telling them, you should be afraid. I was pretty amazed yesterday as I just kind of walked around town now with some new newfound freedoms since 1776, but apparently they're newfound freedoms. And... Uh, Yet there was still so much fear and uncertainty. Now, I don't care where you stand on the issue. I really don't. But I do care if you're bound up in fear. Because that's not a kingdom principle. And God wants to deliver people of that fear. So another whole side to this I won't get to today. We'll save this for another week. But this is what I want you to hear. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Paul writes to remind Timothy, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. I have a commanding officer. His name is Jesus. And I'm living a life trying to please Him. And the civilian affairs I'm not going to get involved in is the cunning and craftiness of man. I'm not going to get mad at blind people because they can't see. It's really tested on a daily basis. But you know what? I test others on a daily basis too. I know some people have had to look at me and just go, God, you love them and so I'm going to try. But I'm not going to get caught up in the wrong battles. But I'm going to fight the right battles. I want to see the lies of the enemy fall on deaf ears of sons and daughters of the king. So when the mankind tries to scheme, we just go, we can ignore that. And even when we're getting venom and thrown at us, we're not just taking it, but we're seeing through that and saying, that is someone you love, Jesus, someone you died for. And I am praying for them to get set free. I won't take on the bondage that you're in. You will not put your bondage on me. But I'm going to love you in the midst of this because that's what my commanding officer has called me to do. I'm not going to get caught up in the world's manufactured panic. I'm not going to run to the gas pumps just because they told me there was a shortage. I'm not buying extra five gallons, cans of gas. 
But you know what I am going to do? There's a gas shortage. I'm not going to jump in the car. I'm going to go, Lord, would you speak your truth to me? I know what I'm hearing. Would you speak your truth to me? <laughs> this will be very simple. God, is there really a gas shortage? Why not? Is there really a gas shortage? Next week, are we all, is this going to be Road Warrior next week? Because I'm ready. I got the movie. Some good tips in there. Mad Max knew what he was doing. I'm going to strap Brent to the hood of my car. Ready to go. But when I hear there's a crisis, I just want to put on that belt of truth and go, Lord, is this real? And if he says it is, go get some gas, I'm going to go get some gas. And if he goes, they're just shouting, there's a line in the streets, but there's no line in the streets. You're going to be fine. But I'm going to sit home with my half full tank of gas. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, should I really worry about what they're telling me to worry about? By the way, it's hurricane season, in case you all don't know that. Just started. COVID's over. Hurricane season just started. God, do I need to worry about that? No. You'll be good. Can I tell you, the Lord really spoke some stuff to Romy about the way we did church. And our decisions were not based upon our opinions. We didn't take a poll. We didn't vote. She just went to God and said, God, what should we do here? And he said, you're going to be fine. Thank you. And so we did what God said. And we're reaping the fruit of it now. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that your truth will supplant, surplant. I don't know the right word there. Supplant. There you go. Thank you. I thank you that your word will supplant every lie. I thank you, God, that you've given us apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, that those gifts so flow through this church that we're not going to be deceived by man. We're not going to give in to the schemingness and the craftiness. Not because of our opinions, but because of the gift that flows in this place that comes from Jesus. I thank you that you've given us your spirit. You've given us your salvation, your truth, your peace, your righteousness, your faith. You've given us your spirit. And when we pray in the spirit, God, things change around us. I thank you that we're not subject to the authorities of this world because you are the commanding officer. And we will refute every lie with the truth that you've given to us. Speak your truth to us, Lord. And we come against every lie in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank you for repentant hearts in this place. I thank you, Lord, for hearts that are quick to say I was wrong. Quick to say I was sorry. And just as quick to get filled back up with the Spirit of God that will set others free in this season. This is not a season of I told you so. This is a season of welcome home.
This is a season of there is more freedom for you than you could ever possibly imagine. It's a freedom of helping people see that you can be free on the inside regardless of what you have to do on the outside. And I thank you that that freedom came at the cost of your own son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 